Tishabov is a day of national Avelos over a Chorban that took place around 2,000 years ago. Because Klal Yisrael were chayte, we were exiled into this Golos that seems to never end. And if we want to know how to rectify something, we have to go back to the root cause and see what caused this calamity to happen, and then maybe we could begin to repair what we did wrong. So let's go back to the first time that Klal Yisrael, in the eyes of Chazal, were punished with this Churban Beis HaMikdash, when the die was cast, that on this day, on Tishabav, we would have to suffer not one Churban Beis HaMikdash, but two. And that was, of course, the episode with Meraglim that we learned just a few weeks ago in Parsha Shlach. And let's uh, try to go a little bit deeper into that Misa with the Meraglim. And we're going to find something that's fascinating. And I think it's going to really be able to open our eyes as to the nature of the Chorban and perhaps what we could do to get out of this Golos. The Meraglim were not Stam people. The Meraglim were not regular spies that were sent to scout out the land and to see whether it was conquerable, the Meraglim were the Roshim of the Shvatim. They were the heads, they were the VIPs, they were, they were the heads of the, of the Shvatim. And so these were not ordinary people, these were great people. And for whatever reason, they came back to Moshe Rabbeinu and to Klal Yisrael and they reported what they saw. Now, they didn't have to go HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you don't have to go. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if you want to go, you can go, but I don't need it. If you want it, you can have it. Paul Yisrael felt that this was something that they should be doing. And it's Siv has a mahalach and why they felt they should be doing it, but that's not for now. They went into Eretz Yisrael and they saw certain things. They saw, for example, that wherever they went, were funerals. It was Eretz Eichelas Yeshveh was a land that devoured its inhabitants. They thought that wherever they went there was death and destruction and doom and gloom. They saw that there were giants there. They saw that these were very powerful people. They saw that there were fortified cities. It was very hard to conquer Eretz Israel in their eyes. Listen, they were sent as spies. What do you want from them? They came back and they reported what they saw. That's what a spy is supposed to do. Well, you want them to lie and give a, you know, like a fairy tale vision of what they saw? They saw what they saw. So where did they go wrong? What was the exact problem that the Miraglim did by saying what they saw? If I send somebody to do a shlichus for me and he comes back and he gives me a, an assessment of what he saw, then, then he's not to blame. And if Klal Yisrael responds to their assessment in a negative way, so 
Also, uh, you know, that's natural, it's normal. What was the, what was the chet of the Meraglim? What was the rishis of the Meraglim? They, we sent them on a mission, they did their mission, they came back, they didn't give a glowing report, but they saw what they saw, and that's how they reported it. So the Ramban says an amazing thing. He says, you know what the rishis of the Meraglim was? They said one word. There was a single word that they should not have said. They were reporting fine. You want to report the news as you see it? You want to attest to what you saw? That's okay. But they said, in the midst of this whole report, they said the following. They said, Efes ki But, there was a word, Efes, that they slipped in as if to editorialize their report and to say, but we're doomed. We're not going to be able to do it. They should have just came and reported the facts as they see it. And Meshra Abeno, together with Aaron, together with the Urmatumim, together with the Sanhedrin, they would decide whether it was Kedai to try and attack and with different ways to go about it. But they said, Ephes, but... And the Ramban says that because they used this negative word, but we're not going to be able to, that nation is so stubborn, they're so powerful, the nations that exist right now in Eretz Yisrael, they're inconquerable. That was their own personal negative slant. They made themselves... And they made Klai Yisrael feel neutered. They made them feel unable to accomplish the task ahead. That was the punishment. That was the reason for the entire effect of the Meraglim. It was not that they reported Debas Haaretz. It was the fact that they said the word Ephes. They said, we are not able to do this. They put in Klal Yisrael's mind this toxic word, Ephes. We're nothing, we're zeros, we're incapable people, we don't stand a chance against them. That was not for the Meraglim to say. The Meraglim should just say, tell us, they will say whatever they want. It's hard, it's going to be a tough uphill battle, fine. Strong cities, powerful men, big weird fruits. Whatever you want to say, fine. That's all part of the debriefing process. But to say the word FS, to say that this, this nation, it's impossible, but we're not going to be able to do it, that's editorializing your mission. That's not just reporting the facts, that's putting your own personal nagias, your own personal spin, your own personal negative light on the entire future of Klal Yisrael vis-a-vis Eretz Yisrael, and that was the crime that the Meraglim did. This is what the Ramban says. So it was actually the negativity, the fact that they made Klal Yisrael believe that they were not capable of doing something, the fact that they spread this self-doubt amongst their people which really took the entire oxygen out of the room. Klal Yisrael 
were a people that were great always. We were the people that went out of Egypt. We were the only people ever in the history of the world to be avodim and to somehow, some way, benisim, come out of, out of Eretz Mitzrayim, a place that nobody ever believed we would be able to get out of. All the nations of the world were shocked and awed by the fact that Klaiso were so powerful. And we walked out with pride. Tomorrow in one of the beautiful kinnas that we're going to say is a kinna that contrasts B'tseisi mi Mitzrayim and B'tseisi mi Yerushalayim. Klai Yisrael were always the people that were the Yaitse Mitzrayim. We were the people that we marched out of Mitzrayim with pride. Kriyas Yamsov, Matan That's what Klai Yisrael were. We were the can-do nation. We were the nation that could never fail. Amalek was the first one to, to put his toe into the bath, as, as Chazal say, cooling off the heat of Klai Yisrael. All of the nations of the world were petrified of us until, until Amalek. That was the first time that somebody actually came and, and, and tried to dampen the pride of Klai Yisrael. But nobody could ever do that as well as we could do that to ourselves. And the Miraglim came and they said, Ephes. Yeah, maybe we had a, a past that was great. Maybe HaKadosh Baruch was once upon our t- a time on our team. But we've never seen enemies like those that lie ahead of us in Eretz Canaan, Ephes. We're zeros now. We're nothing. We're insignificant. We just have to give it up. No, no, no pride. No gaiva. No thinking with great ambition. Just doom and gloom, FS, negativity. That was the Avera, says the Ramban, of the Meraglim. They, they just made us feel low. They made us feel insignificant. They made us feel like we were zeros. A few psukim later, the Miraglim continue their report and they say that these giants, you have never seen such big giants. We were in their... In, we were in our own eyes, in our own eyes, when we looked up to these giants, we were like little grasshoppers. And that's how we were in their eyes. How again do they know, how do they know that we were that way in their eyes? It's one thing you could say about yourself that, you know, you felt like a grasshopper. How do you know that that's how you were in their eyes? So there are chazal that say that they overheard the giants say, looks like they're little grasshoppers walking around in the grass. But the Sasemes says a different shot. The Sasemes says that it was precisely because Klal Yisrael, the Miraglim, had this negative opinion of themselves, this lowly, self, self-made opinion that we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. In our own eyes, we felt like grasshoppers. You know what happens when you feel like a grasshopper? People look at you like a grasshopper. And other people, including Klai Yisrael, started thinking of themselves as grasshoppers. These were the people that went out of Egypt. These were Meisha, Aaron, Mechavle, Atayra, Nevi'im. 
These were the greatest people, the greatest Dardaya, the, 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 the generation that saw the Rabbeinu Shalom, that, that saw the Arachazaka in Mitzrayim, Alayam, by Sinai. We were amazing people. And then these Miraglam come and they say, Ephes, they say, we're nothing, we're zeros, we're grasshoppers. And as soon as we perceived ourselves as being lowly, and being zeros, that is what everyone began believing about themselves. This was the tragedy of the Miraglim. The Miraglim's tragedy was that we started not believing in ourselves. Pasuk says that everyone started crying. When the Miraglim came, that night, that night, the, the Klai Yisrael started crying. By Yivko Ambalaylo, they started, everybody started crying. And Chazal famously say that when Klai Yisrael started crying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Atem Bechisem Bechiyashalchinam. You cried a Bechiyashalchinam, a Bechiyah for nothing. You're going to cry a bechiel udairis, and that's why we have the korban by Yisrishayim, the korban by Yesheni. All the terrible atrocities that took place throughout history on Tisha B'av all happened because we were baicha a bechia shalchinam. What does it mean bechia shalchinam? A crying for nothing. It wasn't for nothing. They cried because they were scared. They cried because their dreams of entering Eretz Yisrael seemed to be dashed. That wasn't a b'chiyah shalchinam. How's that a b'chiyah shalchinam? It's a cry for nothing. They weren't crying stam. They were crying for a good reason. Ragnam came back and, and brought back a, a very negative report. I think perhaps what Chazal mean in light of what we're speaking about now is the b'chiyah shalchinam is that you were crying over the fact that you were chinam. You were crying over the fact that you're nothing. And that's the biggest Avera in the world. How could you cry that you're nothing? You're crying over the fact that you're not going to be able to come into Eretz Yisrael, that Ephes, that you're Chagavim, or do you know who you are? Do you know who I am, says the Rabbi Nishalem? Do you think I'm going to abandon you at this point? How can you think for a second you are the Amman You are the nation that should have the utmost pride in yourself and your mission. Now you're getting scared. Now you're crying because of these Miraglim editorializing about the mission, Ephes, Chagavim, and that goes into your head and you start believing it. You're perceiving yourself now as being zeros. You're understanding that what they're saying might be true, that you don't have the ability that you're sapped of any power, that you're weak, that you're impotent of being able to conquer Eretz Yisrael, that's a bechia shochinam. That's a cry over the fact that you're nothing. That's the greatest avera. If Aaron Mikarlin, one of the great Hasidic rabbis, said, that the greatest Avera in the Torah, if I'd ask you, what's the greatest Avera? So people would say, 
It's not. The worst Avera in the Torah says of Rabbi Karlin is Yish. When a person gives up hope, when a person thinks that they're nothing, when a person thinks that it's impossible, that's the greatest Averis. You know why? Because once a person has Yish, any Avera in the world is possible to do. If I have a little gaiva about who I am and what I am, if I feel greatness within, if I feel that I'm a budding Talmud Chacham, if I feel that I'm, I have Yerushalayim, that I'm a Bal Madrego, that I have Yichos, that I have, that I have people that like me, that admire me, that I have a bright future ahead, it's going to be very hard for me to do an Avera. You know when the Sahara gets into your ear and says, just do it? When you feel that you're nothing, when you feel so low and so depressed and so miyush that who am I, what am I, there's no hope for me, I'm never going to amount to anything, then you could do any Avera that you want. At those points in life that we're weak, that the Eitzahara convinces us, seduces us into believing that we're nothing, that we're nobodies, that we're zeros, that we're Ephes, that's the point that the Eitzara has a field day with us. They can do anything that, the Eitzara does anything that he wants with us. We, hey, tell me what to do, I'll do it. Go places, speak Lashonara, listen to things, watch things, whatever, I'll do it, it's fine. Because I don't believe in myself. Atem b'chisem b'chia You cried a b'chia over the fact that you're nothing, that you're chinam, that you're cheap. That you're free, that you're, you're worthless. You know what's going to happen to you? You know what the tragedy of a Bechiyah Shalchinam is? You know what the tragedy, the greatest tragedy of Yish is? Atem Bechisem Bechiyah You're going to cry a Bechiyah L'dayres. You know what that means, I think? It's not just you that's going to have a Bechiyah Shalchinam. This is something that you give over to your children. When a parent feels low, when a parent feels worthless and insignificant, when a person feels yush, what happens to the children? The children also feel that way. The children feel, yeah, I'm not going to amount to anything either. A parent keeps on saying either overtly or covertly messages are sent to a child, you're never going to be able to do this. What, you think you're going to be successful in business? You're not. I, I, was, I tried it so many times. I wasn't successful. You're not going to be. Don't even start. Don't even try it. Think you're going to be a Talmud Chacham? I wasn't a Talmud Chacham. You're not going to be a Talmud Chacham. You're not going to be able to be married. You're not going to be able to stay married. You're not going to be happily married. You're not going to be able to have a community, a friend. You're not going to be able to have a good job, keep a good job. It's not going to happen. not going to happen. Don't even try. When a person is baicha b'chia shalchinam, it, generally speaking, becomes a b'chia l'dayris. It ripples through the generations, this negativity, this lack of self-confidence, this lack of self-esteem. This low self-esteem is the greatest curse, not just for a person, but for his children, for his grandchildren. As Saif Kaladiris, it stays in the DNA unless 
a person really tries hard to undo that and to not listen. This attitude of FS that the Miraglim gave over to Klai Yisrael and Klai Yisrael started crying, they bought into this negativity. They bought into the fact that they were not going to be able to survive and to make it and to conquer and to be ambitious and to, and to thrive. Hakadosh says, "You know something? If this is your attitude, the reality—it's not a curse. It's not a curse. It's not a punishment. It's not a midah It's the fact that the reality becomes this way. If you feel that you're nothing, you're going to give that over to your children. And when we're in Eretz Yisrael, after we conquered Eretz Yisrael, you know what's going to happen eventually with the passage of time. This." negative attitude is going to once again feed into the minds and the hearts of your children, and it's going to make them do terrible averis, and it's going to make them lose Eretz Yisrael once and twice. Because that's what happens when people start with the word ethos. I want to read to you something there was a very famous article that appeared in 1935 in Reader's Digest. It became very famous at the time and was translated into a zillion languages. It was written by a guy, his name was W. Livingston Larned. And it basically goes like this, and it's a very, I think it's a very powerful musr. It's called Father Forgets. Listen, son, I am saying this as you lie asleep, one paw crumpled under your cheek and the blonde curls stickily wet on your damp forehead. I have stolen into your room alone. Just a few minutes ago, as I sat reading my paper in the library, a stifling wave of remorse swept over me. Guiltily, I came to your bedside. These are the things I was thinking, son. I had been cross to you. I scolded you as you were dressing for school because you gave your face merely a dab with a towel. I took you to task for not cleaning your shoes. I called that angrily when you threw some of your things on the floor. At breakfast, I found fault too. You spilled things. You gulped down your food. You put your elbows on the table. You spread butter too thick on your bread. And as you started off to play, and I made for my train... You turned and waved a hand and called, Goodbye, Daddy. And I frowned and said a reply, Hold your shoulders back. Then it began all over again in the late afternoon. As I came up the road, I spied you, down on your knees, playing marbles. There were holes in your stockings. I humiliated you before your boyfriends by marching you ahead of me to the house. Stockings were expensive, and if you had to buy them, you would be more careful. Imagine that, son, from a father. Do you remember later, when I was reading in the library, how you came in timidly with a sort of hurt look in your eyes? When I glanced up over my paper, impatient at the interruption, you hesitated at the door. What is it you want? I snapped. You said nothing, but ran across in one tempestuous, tempestuous plunge and threw your arms around my neck and kissed me and your small arms tightened with an affection that God had set 
blooming in your heart, and which even neglect could not wither. And then you were gone, pattering up the stairs. Well, son, it was shortly afterwards that my paper slipped from my hands, and a terrible, sickening fear came over me. What has habit been doing to me? The habit of finding fault, of reprimanding. This was my reward to you for being a boy. It was not that, you did, not that I did not love you. It was that I expected too much of youth. I was measuring you by the yardstick of my own years. And there was so much that was good and fine and true in your character. The little heart of you was as big as the dawn itself over the wide hills. This was shown by your spontaneous impulse to rush in and kiss me goodnight. Nothing else matters tonight, son. I have come to your bedside in the darkness, and I have knelt there ashamed. It is a feeble atonement. I know you would not understand these things if I told them to you during your waking hours. But tomorrow I will be a real daddy. I will chum with you and suffer when you suffer and laugh when you laugh. I will bite my tongue with it when impatient words come by. I will keep saying, as if it were a ritual, he is nothing but a boy, a little boy. I am afraid I have visualized you as a man, yet as I see you now, son, crumpled and weary in your cot, I see that you are still a baby. Yesterday you were in your mother's arms, your head on her shoulder. I have asked too much, too much. This is what many of us do as parents and as friends and as spouses and as siblings. We treat other people too strictly and we speak to them in a way that's inappropriate and we criticize way too much and we inspire negativity instead of the opposite. The Miraglam's chet, according to the Ramban, was just the fact that they were negative. It wasn't a big deal. If they would have just said their report, that would be okay. We wouldn't be sitting here today on the floor. It was the fact that they used the word ephes. It was the fact that they started off polluting the minds and the hearts of Paul Yisrael with a negative attitude. Instead of building things up, instead of saying, it's going to be hard, but we could do it. Instead of saying, we are the nation that left Egypt, this is going to be doable, we could definitely do this. Instead, they decided to go the negative route, to say Ephes, to say Chagavim, to make Yisrael feel small, to make them be Baycha Bechia and when that happens, it inevitably becomes a Bechila Dairis. Everybody speaks about rebuilding the Beis Hamikdash. But you know, in order to rebuild the Beis Hamikdash, you have to first rebuild ourselves. And we have to change our own attitude. There's so many people that I, I speak to on a daily basis and find wonderful people who really could do anything that they want, but they're sort of shivrei kalim, broken shards, who can't see themselves doing anything. Every time you say to them, you're going to be amazing, they roll their eyes. Every time you say, you have a bright future ahead, they laugh. 
because they have been poisoned by this word ethos. It might be by a parent, it might be by a rabbi, it might be by, a, by an older sibling, by bad friends, by a principal, by a co-worker. But people who we surround ourselves with that constantly harp on the negative and Maybe they didn't believe in themselves. Maybe they themselves had a, a negative upbringing. And they, as the Yerusha, carry this over. People are not able to see any good. They're not able to build themselves up with pride. But if we want to build the Beis Hamikdash, it happens by building ourselves. By building our self-esteem. By getting rid of the word, I can't. It's impossible. My daughter showed me once uh, a cute quote. I don't know if it's, it's I guess the guy is a quote, but it's, it's incredible. It says, everything is possible. Everything is possible. Even the word impossible is spelled, I'm possible. Nothing is impossible for anyone, anyone in the world. Now, I've had tell me them that you know you could go and, and find these uh, you know these very inspirational personalities throughout history you know uh, you know people that you know had terrible disabilities and they were able to accomplish great things. I don't have to go that far. You know I've had tell me them in this very base medrash that are people that accomplished impossible dreams. Impossible. They did it. There's a Talmud yeshiva who, who and he lost a leg to cancer when he was young. And he made a career, and a very successful one, out of being a, a dancer by simchas. A person has a bar mitzvah or a, or a uh, chasna, and they need a little extra people to make a lebedic, they call in. And he comes and he dances up a storm. A person who's missing a leg. And he even like twists his leg in the middle of the dancing and like to the shock of everybody. He doesn't care. He turned it around. He turned it around. He could have said, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm this and I'm that. And, you know, with every, every negative title and every negative term and every negative... Uh, he could have done that, but he chose not to. He's a walking Musser Sefer. There was another Talmud that we had. He, was, he had a terrible stutter. Terrible. And of all the careers he chose for himself, he became a speech therapist. A person with a stutter, like he literally could not, could not say a single word out of his mouth without a one-minute stuttering. He became a speech therapist. And then there are people that came from very humble beginnings and they made something of themselves in an incredible way. That's how you build the Beis HaMikdash. You build yourself. Whatever we have in our lives, all the negative echoes that we have ricocheting around in our head that I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm never going to be this, I'm never going to be that. All the Ephesus that we were told and we were instructed and we were advised 
It just, it's the biggest enemy that we have. The greatest enemy that we have is Yish. Because it makes us feel like a big Ephes. And as a Yid, we have unlimited potential in anything that we, anything that we want to set ourselves out to do. You want to learn Tyre, you could be the biggest Hamachachim in the world. And people are going to tell you, no, you, you can't do, you don't have a, you're not a Lamdan, you don't have a good cup. And I could bring you a hundred Rayas from people throughout history that had a worse cup than we do, and they became G'dayle Island. People that weren't able to help other people, and suddenly they became masters of chesed. People that were brought up being told that they were garbage, and they made their mission in life to spread light around the world. A yid could do anything. You just have to be able to take a, a magic eraser and, and, and get rid of all the negativity. It's not easy. It's very hard to go through therapy an entire life and, and just begin to scrape the surface. Or you can really just try to tap into the neshama that a yid has and, and just completely eradicate all the negativity. And don't listen to anything that anyone ever told you. The contrast between B'tseisi Mimitzrayim and the B'tseisi Mirushalayim all is because of Ephes. If we'd be able to get rid of the Ephes, we'll be able to go back to Yerushalayim. Because that's what got us here in the first place. This feeling of lowness, of negativity. And that's why on Tisha B'Av, Tisha B'Av is the day that Mashiach is born. Tisha B'Av is Karalai Mayed. It's a day that's a future Yantif. Because that's what a Yid is. A Yid could take a Tisha B'Av, the darkest of days, and say, no, I don't want to sit on this ground anymore. I've been sitting on this ground like an oval for 2,000 years. I don't want to do this anymore. And when we start building ourselves up and saying, I can do this. I don't have to, I don't have to be stuck in the, in the mire and the muck of of Gullus anymore. I don't have to be trapped in, in the Averis that I do because of Yish. I don't have to listen to people telling me what I can't do, what I shouldn't do. I want to be living the dream. I want to be fulfilling my full potential, which is so great and so glorious. At that point, we can turn a Tishabab into a Yantra. And one of the reasons for the Beis HaMittosh being destroyed was Sinas Chinam. It's the hardest term to understand, Sinas Chinam. What does it mean? It's, a, uh, it's very hard to even give a, a normal English translation. It's a, it's a hatred, a baseless hatred. A very poor, def, poor, poor definition of, of that word. I think what it means, Sinas Chinam, is, again, just like a Bechiyah Shochinam, means that you're crying over the fact that you're nothing. Sinas chinam means I hate you because I feel like nothing. If I felt like something, I wouldn't hate anybody. Who hates people? Why would I hate you? You know what I hate people? I hate people that are successful. I hate people that daven amazing. I hate people that learn amazing. I hate people that are super successful at work because I feel chinam. Because I was always taught that I'm a nothing. I can't stand people that don't have that attitude. That's what sinas chinam, I believe, means. 
Sinna comes from the feeling of chinam. If I feel great about myself, I feel like I'm accomplishing what I'm supposed to be accomplishing in life. I'm very happy when you're accomplishing what you want to accomplish because we're both successful. It's great to have more friends that are successful. It's just when I feel that I'm stuck in the mud and I see all the other cars going by, whizzing by, and I can't move, I'm in the ditch, I hate that. That's in a sinam. That's why I hate people. A yid can only hate another yid if they feel chinam. That's another problem with this, with this negativity. Besides the fact that it can lead to any avera, it leads to the worst avera, which is sinas chinam. It makes me not like other people. It makes me not happy for other people. If I feel like I'm happy, then I'm happy for you. Who's not happy when somebody else gets engaged? The person that's having a hard time themselves getting engaged. Who's not happy when another person's making a bris if I don't have a child myself? Who's not happy for a person when they get a great job if, I'm not, if I don't have a good job? Why don't I have any of these things? Generally, it's because I don't feel good about myself. If I don't feel good about myself, I'm not able to reflect a positive nature to make me succeed in life. And so that's why I, I really have tightness on people that are successful in life, and I don't like that. In Tishabhav is a day that we could eradicate sinas chinam because we eradicate that word chinam. The bechiyah shel chinam we could work on. The sinas chinam we could work on. The ephes we could work on. That's what Tishabhav is. It's a day that we're sitting in Avelos, but sometimes Avelos is, is a great place to be because it, you can't get much lower than we're, where we are right now. When you can't get much lower, when you hit, hit rock bottom, that's a time that we could start building upon the positives that we have and say, no, 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 I'm not a Chinam. I'm not an Ephes. I want to only go higher and higher. I want to go La'ela or La'ela, one step at a time. Tisha is the day that we start because we are here on the floor. We're here being this Abba on the Chorban of the Bechiyah Shalchinam. And maybe we are the product, the Bechiyah Ladeiris. We all have maybe in us this part of us that aren't happy for other people. This is the legacy of that Bechiyah Shalchinam that we brought into that word Ephes and it's still with us today. And Tisha B'Av is the day that we could change all that by getting rid of that word Chinam. Now, there were two schools of thought of Musser in Europe. In the heyday of Musser, there was the Nevardic approach to Musser. There was a Slavatka approach to Musser. Nevardic, uh, and there's a great anecdote about Nevardic that it's a joke, but it sort of like really speaks to the Nevardic style of Musser. Nevardic, basically, by Musser Seder, would be a base medrash that was packed with Yeshiva Bachrim. And when Musser Seder began, they all started screaming, Ich bin agarnished, ich bin agarnished, I'm a nobody, I'm an epis, I'm a zero. The joke goes that, you know, one boy, that, one day there was a freshie that came into the Nevardic based Medrash, and, you know, when in Rome, do like the Romans, and he saw everybody else screaming, ich bin agarnished, ich bin agarnished. So he also starts screaming, ich bin agarnished, I'm a nobody, I'm a zero. And two of the older based Medrash guys, you know, the seasoned Alter Bachrim, they turn around, they never heard that young voice in the basement, they look, they see this little freshie screaming, Ich bin agarnished. and one looks at the other, one of these Alter Bachim look at the other, and say, ah, 
Look who thinks he's a garnished. Look who thinks he's a nobody. It was already in Madrega to attain that status of being a nobody in the, in the world of Navarrete. Slabotka was the opposite. Slabotka was a world that I'm not a nobody. God was Adam. The author taught his Talmidim that man is infinite. Man is a kol yachum. Man could do anything that he wants. Man is higher than an angel. Man is not nothing. Man is not a, an ethos. Man is great. Man could, could be anything that he wants. And we're not here to, you know, cast any judgment on either school of thought. They were both Gedalelem, the Altaf and Navardik and the Altaf and Slabatka were both men that, you know, that are beyond our, our ability to, to walk on the same planet with. But let's just focus on Slabatka and who came out of Slabatka. People, great people came out, came out of Navardik also. You can't, this type of came out of Navardik and and uh, Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky came out in Navardik, and Rabbi Yaakov came out in Navardik, and, and many, many Gedele Island came out in Navardik, and we're not at all, at all, you know, putting any negativity on Navardik. Navardik had their approach, and maybe before the war it could work. But Sabatka produced Rabbi Aaron Kotler of Shach, the, 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 uh, the, the, the Mir dynasty, Rav Ruderman, Rav Hutner, of David Leibowitz, Yachim Kamenetsky, all the people that built America, built Eretz Yisrael today, they were all Talmidim of the Altar. This Godless Adam has a certain appeal to the Neshama of a Yid, especially in our day and age, especially in America, especially in our diaries. We don't like thinking of ourselves in nothing, and we shouldn't think of ourselves in nothing. Ichben Agarnish is not an Avaidah. If you think that your Avaidah is to, and your Musr, is to pummel yourself to death and believe that you're nothing, that's not appropriate for our dark. Rav Shlomo Zalman used to say that when you're learning Musr, a yeshiva buffer today should skip chapters about Anivos and work on chapters about Gaiva in a positive way. Don't work on Anivos. Anivos is not what we need today. That's not what we need. We don't need to say, I am a nothing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mamish, uh, you know, I have to walk around with these, you know, in my pocket, that's not what a Ben Ter is supposed to work with, that's not, that doesn't work today. It's not appropriate for us today. We should have a certain gaiva. We should have a certain self-esteem. We should have a certain pride. We're great. We're awesome. We're amazing. We're yidden. That's the Avaida that we have today. Not to feel bad about ourselves, not to feel lowly. No, I think it's, you know, we have to be more uneven. We can't say that, you know, you know I made a seam on this Masefta. We can't say that, you know, I really had a good summer. I did a lot. I accomplished great things. You can't say good things about yourself. You should say good things about yourself. And you should say good things about other people. You should build up people. Build up your children. Build up your friends. Build up your spouse. Build up your, your community. Make people feel good about themselves. Never, ever say a negative word about anybody or think a negative word about anything. Most of all, yourselves. Never allow years to creep into your heads. You're amazing. You're great. You're G'daylam. You're Gavas Adam. That's the Avedah of the entire year. That's the Avedah of Tishabah.
Tishabav is not a day to say, this world is awful, this world is terrible, doom and gloom, churban, awful. It's a day that has, it has the aura of a yantif. Because it's from the churban that Mashiach could come. It's from the, the worst possible situations. It's when a seed begins to disintegrate and decay, that's when it begins to blossom. The greatness will start from Tishavav. The greatness will emanate within ourselves on Tishavav. Because it can't get worse than this. This is the worst day of the year, and it's going to be the best day of the year. Because that's what a Yid believes. It's enough Bechiyah Shalchinon. It's enough Bechiyah Ludairis. We have to stop this never ending cycle of Bechiyah Ludairis. This one generation telling the next generation how bad life is, how negative things are, how terrible it is. Doom, gloom, it will never happen. Bad things will never happen. We have to stop that. We have to cut it off, put a tourniquet on that attitude, and then begin anew with a positive attitude. Putting away the bechias, putting away the, the kinnis, and being able to really appreciate who we are and how bright a future we have. And when we begin to rebuild ourselves, it's going to be a natural next step, as is Hashem Yisparach, to rebuild the base of Mikdash.